Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... And it's my job to, I've always felt like, empower young people to know themselves. One of my favourite quotes is that I used to look around and ask, why isn't someone doing something about this? And then one day I realised I was a someone. And to me, that epitomises being an entrepreneur. Warning, this episode may contain themes some listeners may find distressing. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. If you are in another country other than Australia, please call your emergency services. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 442 of Impact Boom. My name is Sarah and I'm passionate about visioning, empowering and contributing to positive initiatives that are happening locally and globally. And today we're speaking with Rachel Downey. Rachel Downey is the founder and chief executive officer of Stymie. She's an educator of 30 years and created Stymie in 2013 following the loss of a student to suicide. Stymie is an anonymous online tool that provides confidential channels for young people to report all kinds of harm, enabling schools to respond directly, promptly and proactively. Beyond her work at Stymie, Rachel is actively engaged with various organisations and advocacy groups to promote online safety, mental health awareness and responsible digital citizenship. As a contestant on the 2021 Brains vs Brawn Australian Survivor, Rachel had the opportunity to highlight the prevalence of the harm caused by online trolling. Rachel was recognised for her work and passion in 2020 by being named Queensland's Australian of the Year and has recently been awarded a Churchill Fellowship. She has a vision for a world where young people have access to the help they need, always, in all ways. On today's podcast, we will discuss the power of saying something when you see something and how Stymie is empowering young people in hundreds of schools to do just that, as well as the mental health challenges and opportunities experienced by young people across the world. Rachel, it's so awesome to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. I was going to say a lot of us working in an impact space are so busy that I think we feel like when we get to a certain point, then we can start giving back. And I've certainly learnt a lot of things to do with that with Coralus lately. As soon as you feel like you can give something back, you can give something back. It's, it's so great. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us, you know, and I mentioned a little bit in the bio about your background, but it'd be wonderful for the listeners to know a little bit more about your story and what it is that led you to where you are. 
today. Okay. All right. Before I begin, I guess I always like to give a bit of a wellness warning because my founding intentions were driven by the suicide of a student. Mm. Um, so if you're not having a great day or you're not in a really good space, maybe listen to these bits and pieces at a time where you are or if you need to reach out with somebody because you might feel affected by the things I talk about. But essentially a year nine boy of mine who was somebody that was under my care directly died by suicide uh, when I was um, still working in education. And essentially I knew that there was something going on with him and we hear this story a lot now. We didn't then but there were things going on, but he was just too frightened to tell us what it was and we didn't get any information from the students. But after he died, then we got so much information from the students. They told us that he was being bullied, that he definitely was experiencing family violence and that he had come to school and told kids that he didn't want to be here anymore. And it was so confronting those conversations with students because essentially I was dealing with kids who felt like it was their fault. I was dealing with kids who had actually been really awful to him, who also thought it was their fault. And then obviously an en masse grief situation, which I in a lot of moments felt like it was preventable. That I guess is what sowed the seed because in talking to lots of students, I just felt driven to do something about this. And as a teacher, I've recognised in that moment as well that students are now having their lives in their virtual villages and we actually don't have very much to do with that at a time where I still believe we need to be having a lot of input into their lives. We're living in a situation now where we've got 14-year-olds dealing with massive life problems with and for other 14-year-olds and themselves, and they're not worldly enough actually to do it. They're still babies. So I spoke to lots of students and I got some ideas from them about how we could stop this from happening. And they said, if you want to do something, it needs to be something that's online because we're all connected and it needs to be something we can access 24 hours a day. And the biggest thing they said was that it needs to be anonymous because I am not going to use anything because I might need to make a notification about my best mate who's self-harming. That's where I came up with the idea for Stymie. It had a lot of student input. Mm. And then how did it turn from this idea into the reality that it is today? <laughs> and like, what oh, yeah. the, with the business and the impact it's generating? Yeah, it's honestly, I just tell people like I'm this old lady from Budrum People who know me well <laughs> say I'm this old Leslie from Budroom. <laughs> and um, I've had some people say, you can't say that, but I'm very proud of my LGBT community. But really, I honestly was a human who had something big happen in their lives that decided to honour that in some way because I am a creative person, I'm a problem solver, I am a forward thinker. I'm also a behind thinker, uh, which I think is really important in this space. And I wanted to make something that served the people that it was going to help. And I think the biggest thing about this being successful is that it has a really strong student voice in it. There are lots of things that say, oh, we really cater for our client, which is, in my eyes, bullshit. 
a lot of people I don't think are catering very well for their clients in a lot of ways. But especially in this, in the youth mental health space, it's really important if you do that kind of work that youth are at the centre of helping you build stuff. So I did that. Then I just started hitting the floorboards myself. A very big part of the success of what we do is that I built a piece of technology, but I didn't just want to give that to the kids and say, off you pop, because I've seen how they use Snapchat. I've seen how they use TikTok. I've seen what they do on social media because I've had to deal with all of those horrific things in my roles in schools and managing students. So I wanted to try and find a way to humanise the technology which is what I've been begging parents to do for years. So I didn't want to build a piece of technology that could hurt people or kids could break without educating them. So schools from day dot were not allowed to use Stymie unless they had an education day. So myself or one of our speakers goes into the school and we talk about empathy and kindness and the fact that, hey, young people, you're responsible for the safety here Let's be empowered in that and make this a really awesome place to be every day because that's your job. You're the boss of what it feels like to be here. So we try to get kids really excited about them being the guardians of their culture of care. So we have these two things working in our business model. We have that education, which is mandatory, and the schools pay for that, and then they pay for access to the platform. And the educative piece around it has been super successful. I love what you said there about the importance of culture and you're the boss of what it feels like to be here. Like you so are. Yeah, you create the weather. Yeah, you do. And that's a, is it Haymes, you know, quote, like I'm responsible for the climate in a classroom. I'm responsible for how a child, whether they're involved in my storm. And it's my job to, I've always felt like empower young people to know themselves. One of my favourite quotes is that I used to look around and ask, why isn't someone doing something about this? And then one day I realised I was a someone. And to me, that epitomises being an entrepreneur. Lily Tomlin, a, a comedian, said that. And I really feel like that's what happened with Stymie is that I was a bit cynical. Relationships with parents in schooling is basically out the window at the moment. And watching kids' mental health spiral downwards out of control has been awful to see over the last five or six years. I feel like so many kids are falling through the net. So I was sitting around going, oh, why isn't someone doing something about this and someone doing something about that? And then when this student died, that was my someone moment. And then the irony of that is that I really feel like teaching is that we are helping young people realise their someoneness that's kind of the job of being a really grouse teacher and a privilege of being part of that journey with a young person. Mm. And that sort of leads me to what I was curious to ask you is what are some of the challenges in the youth mental health space and also the possibilities? And you've mentioned a few. Mm. Honestly, when we got our figures from last year, I felt sick because last year, we delivered 95,201 notifications and 36,000 of those notifications were about bullying and peer-to-peer harm. And that was inclusive of harmful peer-to-peer sexual behaviours. We got 7,000 reports around illegal activity, 5,000 reports about sexual harassment, 5,000 about self-harm. 
we had kids talk about physical fights and also 4,300 notifications where kids have said, I need to speak to a counsellor. So with Stymie, kids can make a notification on behalf of someone else, which might be my friend Sarah has told me that someone is sexually interfering with her and I just don't know what to do about this and she's in grade nine. Here's all of the evidence about it happening or she's told me she's self-harming or she has an eating disorder. So that allows that to be anonymous so that they can still be your friend and support you through the process or students put their hands up and say, hey, I need help. We talk about self-help seeking a lot. But we are in and it's almost become a cliche that makes me feel sick, right? We are in a mental health crisis with young people at the moment. Everybody is like, yes, I know, I know. But the reason that people are like that is because I don't know if we know what to do about it. It's a little bit like the bullying stuff. Since 2008, we've known that one in four students are hurt or harmed, bullied at school, and we haven't been able to fix it. And part of it is because of this cultural stuff we have in Australia around speaking up. Not only, hey, don't treat people like that, but also, hey, I really need some help. So focus days like Are You OK Day, I went to Rewired, a, a youth-driven mental health weekend a couple of weeks ago where young people actually made that event. I ran a panel at that event. But one of the biggest problems that we have is that young people they don't feel safe. They're concerned with consent. We just had a report released three weeks ago that said that 30% of 18 and 19-year-olds are experiencing sexual violence, like relationship violence. 30 fucking percent, excuse my mouth, but what the hell is going on? We have over 30%, the Australian Child Maltreatment Study was released four weeks ago, said that up to over 30% of Australian children have experienced some form of child maltreatment. And that may be, before everyone freaks out about that, include witnessing family violence. I know that all of those things are downers, but in that there are opportunities for the helpers. There's a really cool quote that says, when things go bad, look up, you'll see the helpers because there's always helpers. Stymie, I feel like I'm a helper and I get to share a lot of space with people who are helping uh, we're all very busy at the moment, but there are people working on it, which is great. I talk a lot, Sarah. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're speaking what needs to be heard and um, shining the light and being one of those helpers who is working in those spaces really effectively and bringing that knowledge to people's awareness mm. so that we can make ways to create better futures mm. well, i've got this really funky idea at the moment right so a couple of months ago i received a churchill fellowship and this is in direct relation to the impact that i want to have in this youth mental health and empower kids to be able to speak up in the heat of the moment because mm. we have this aussie culture where we and i'm in my 50s so my generation has really sucked at doing this we have not had the guts or courage to be able to say stuff like, mate, I love you, but the way you talk about women is not cool with me. Or friend, we've been friends since primary school and I love you, but your racist jokes are not acceptable. 
We don't do that in Australia. We go, oh, that's just Jim. He speaks about all women like that. No, that's just Auntie Mary. She doesn't mean anything by it. That's a problem because we haven't modelled those sorts of positive behaviours for our kids. So we tend not to stand up to stuff because that makes us a dobber or a snitch, right? So my question is always, what does it make us if we stand by and actually watch someone get hurt? Why don't we have as derogatory thought process around that as somebody who stands up and says, hey, that's not okay? That person gets smashed in schools. Why isn't the person who's actually hurting humans suffering the same kind of thing? And I'm not saying that I want people to be hurt, but why aren't our thought processes it's really great that somebody has the courage to say something. Why can't we reverse it? With the Churchill Fellowship, I'm going to seven different countries to study schools that have really low incidences of peer-to-peer harm. Like ours sits at 30%. All the countries I'm going to sit only between 11 and 13%. So I'm going to see what it is they're doing differently. I'm bringing it back to Australia and we're going to write a program called No Hate Here, Mate. And this will have a massive impact in schools. I want it to be a national program that feels non-negotiable because I think what we've missed in terms of that impactful behaviour and being able to have an impact on social norms, our Australian social norms of like, oh, we don't dob on our mates, even if we know he's being a bit shit, we still don't dob on him. I want kids to develop the courage to be able to say, hey, we don't treat people like that here. But what we need to do is identify how kids do that. I don't think we know. I've got some pretty great ideas. I won't bore you with them because they're probably boring, but I'm going to make these ideas into something that's going to have a huge impact on young people in schools in a really great way. Amazing. I'm super excited to hear that. (laughs) steps and bring no hate here mate no hate here mate like you know what we're like I've already made the Instagram page I've already got the website like up and running like I'm just so excited that's how I visualize like I I have to make it like this tangible thing yeah so I know what I'm putting into that bucket you know so I get excited by that stuff super exciting what are some inspiring projects that you've come across lately that you feel are doing great stuff and creating positive change. Oh, look, heaps of stuff. Like I was selected as a venture this year in Torilus. We're one of the ventures that's going to get some funding and we are going to use that to help us scale even more. So during that process, I just got to meet so many socially impacting businesses and for good businesses like Pleasant State here on the Sunshine Coast is one of them. They're basically a venture. They have all of these products that you just add water to that are great for the environment. I met some people who are doing work with people who've been freed from sex trafficking and they are then taking them to places in Cambodia and they're training them ethically how to make clothing um, yeah. Avoda is their name. Liz in our program at the moment, the female. Oh, family. oh yeah, Liz. Yeah, she is too. I read about that the other day, which is awesome. So, oh look, honestly, the work people are doing is just incredible. Sam from Parent TV yeah. is making this documentary, which is really interrogating our roles as parents. 
which is so confronting and so brave of her to do that, which is incredible. I've met people who are rebranding how we move garbage around the world. Mm. And obviously along the way I've had the opportunity to do deep dives into living and those people who are in schools doing good work like the Cyber Safety Project and LineWise, people who are doing four good things to help keep kids safe online. Like I think it's really easy at the moment because there's parts of the world that feel really shit. But if you want to feel good, go onto a founder's site, go and Google some social impact stuff and look at what people are doing for our world. It's really uplifting. It is. I have the privilege, this old Leslie from Bodrum, to have a chat with some of them sometimes. <laughs> I built my business out of my garage at home. Like I spent five years working out of my garage, literally, and going and speaking and delivering all of that education to schools for free. I didn't charge for my time for five years so I could get a reputation and then schools would be, right, okay, we'll give you money now. Crazy. Amazing. No, a huge and compounding ever compounding impact that you're making and that so many of these other phenomenal people are making and I million percent agree with you there are so many amazing things happening can only continue to create positive ripples so again we talk about the ripple effect a lot I think people don't believe in their ability to generate that and I think some of it is because the world feels really heavy but I also have the privilege of working with young people and their brains. Like I've worked in education for 30 years. Every day they blew my mind with their ideas and anybody can start a business now. Anybody can jump online and talk about their business and build their business. And young people are doing some great stuff as well. They impress me every day. Great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Rachel, to finish off, are there any books or resources that you'd recommend to our listeners? Yes, there are, actually. Honestly, one of the pieces, because I get asked a lot, what's one of the biggest pieces of advice I have for people? I know you didn't ask for advice. I'll give you books, but really be careful how you set up your company with money. Even if you don't have very much money, please make sure that you set up all of your structures so that you're protected, so that you're doing the right things in terms of paying yourself. And as soon as you can, start to try and do that stuff because I have been hit very hard with that kind of stuff. So I think business is mostly about human behaviour and building a business as an entrepreneur is about human behaviour. One of my favourite books that I've read this year is Surrounded by Idiots basically because it's an awful title (laughs) but basically it's about understanding those people who you come across who are difficult to understand and there's another book called Difficult Conversations because when you're in an entrepreneurial space like even if you're not the boss kind of a person you have to be the boss for a while the hardest thing about being a boss is having courageous dialogue with people because we're so worried about making the wrong decision with other humans so courageous conversations is definitely another one for me Um, anything Simon Sinek has written has been like absolutely a go-to for me as well years ago I read the e-myth I don't know if it still has currency but I still do revisit concepts in that book because it really talks about that transition from 
being a pie maker who wants to make pies so everybody can eat them but then can't transition in to scale and as we know this is where most entrepreneurs fail is when we try to scale so the e-myth is a really fantastic book and probably something foundational that probably revisit like quite a lot I guess the others like the lean startup as well you'll have lots of people who aren't very supportive about your idea and this is something that we talk about a lot a lot of people are like oh isn't it risky I had lots of people say to me you're going to go on and be a principal and you're going to do this and you're going to do that like you're leaving this really safe environment I was like I think I'm institutionalized actually but you're going to leave this safe environment you're going to have lots of people giving you the downer what ifs yeah but what if this happens and what if that happens so enrich your mind with podcasts and positives that help you believe in yourself because I would say that if I can do stuff like this anybody can do it Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rachel. You're welcome. No worries, sir. Thanks for having the chat. I always feel special when people ask to have a chat and then I get worried. (laughs) (laughs) Fabulous. It's great. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.